This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Reach out to Accessible Media Inc. You can do it. Feedback at AMI.ca. Send an email. Maybe you've got questions about AMI-tele, AMI-tv, or AMI-audio. Feedback at AMI.ca. Folks over there in communication and marketing, they'll help you out. On Twitter, at AMI-audio. That's the handle in case you want to keep up with what's happening on our program. Follow along. That's at AMI-audio on Twitter. And you can always give us a call, one 509 4545 Always love to hear your voice. If you drop us a message, mention it's for Kelly and company. And if you don't mind, give us permission to use your message on the air, one 509 4545 Kelly McDonald at the Home Studio, London, Ontario. Romeo Muthan on uh, main campus at AMI. We uh, drag Halloween vibes a little longer every time. So let's get into some fun and Halloween-ish audio entertainment with Michael Fair. Hi, I'm Mike Fair. iPhones, iPods, and iPads are everywhere, and they're doing great things for the blind. We explore all that, plus audio entertainment, dramas, podcasts, internet radio, and games. We share it all on Kelly & Company. Michael Fair went out and checked what's new from the uh, Dark Adventure um, radio theater crew. And you're telling us today about the latest feature called The Horror in the Museum. Looking forward to it. How did the pandemic, Michael, affect productions of Dark Adventure radio theater episodes? Well, in a couple of different ways. First of all, they had to scale back their productions because of, of the actors. You can't have actors in the same place when you're in lockdown. So they had to have one person at a time in the studio. And uh, so they did a lot of, of you know, one on one by one voice work and then, you know, patching things together, a lot of a lot more heavy on the post-production. So it slowed them down and, and made them sort of shrink the casts a bit, you know, to, to keep things manageable and sort of choose their stories, I guess, with that in mind. The other thing it does for them, because they're not just about audio dramas, they produce props, physical props for H.P. Lovecraft fans, for role-playing gamers and other people who are into this stuff. Uh, It might be uh, magazine pages or photographs that look aged and like they were taken back in the 30s. And uh, so, you know, they they have to ship that, obviously. And... uh, you can basically get them with the CDs or you can get them uh, if uh, digitally uh, sort of emailed to you. Uh, I think they still offer that. They certainly offer them physically separately uh, for people who want them. And, of course, all of that is is slowed down, put on hold uh, until they get people in there to work at the warehouses. So, you know, it, it did – I think out of all our outfits that I follow for audio dramas, these people took probably one of the worst hits – and uh, they, they've seemingly survived. You know, it, it, they're still kicking along. Mm. What challenges, what things to think about and, and, you know, the hits that are left and right. And, and sometimes it's just the circumstances, the way you do things, the situation you're in at that current moment. Let's move to the story, sir. What's it about? Well, the horror at the museum is basically uh, the main character, Steve, uh, Stephen Jones and uh, his, his partner, Eleanor Patterson, who is his financier, they go to England uh, and uh, travel around. They want to find uh, new attractions to set up in Chicago. 
and it's it's this is back in the twenties, thirties ish kind of era. So they're looking around. They go to the wax museum, Madame Tussauds Wax Museum, and they find these strange, horrific pieces of art that are made by uh, George Rogers, this strange reclusive artist. And uh, so they, they want to. They, they think, oh, these you know, this kid Steve Jones thinks this is great. You know, he wants to hook up. But they learn that this artist has been fired, dismissed from the museum for some unorthodox views and behaviors. And uh, so, you know, he thinks, oh, well, we'll go to his museum. And they, they find Mr. Rogers' museum. And boy, uh, that set off, sets off a whole chain of consequences as you learn more about what influences the art and the pieces in the museum. I bet. Mike, what's so special about wax museums? Well, and this is one of the things, like, I've heard about this stuff for most of my life. You know, where, where you, you go in as a sighted person and you look at these figures and they're so well crafted that they look lot, almost like they're, they're li- alive. Like you'd swear they were looking at you. So if you go into, say, a room of criminals, which is one of the things at the museum that Madame Tussauds used to have, a room of like famous criminal figures, like you'd swear they, these, these uh, you know, ghastly looking individuals were you know, you're looking at you and, and, you know, might be planning some mischief. Uh, so the rumor was that she issued a challenge of, that she'd give $25 if someone could spend an hour alone in the, in the criminal, famous criminal section of the museum with all these people, these figures looking like they're staring <laughs> at them. <laughs> so, but apparently that was false. She never actually did that, but the rumor was persistent for decades and decades. Wow. So, how faithful is this adaptation to the original story? Well, it, it, from what I've read, I've never actually read this story uh, before. I, I still have to complete my reading of all of Lovecraft's stuff. Um, but uh, apparently from what I've uh, the reviews say it is quite faithful, but they did add a character in the form of Eleanor Patterson. And, and this is kind of a usual thing uh, with uh, uh, Dark Adventure uh, Productions. They, they realized that you know, Lovecraft had some horrible racist views, which are you know, all over his stories. And you have to sort of deal with that now that we're in the modern era. So one of the things I'd like to do is they add these twists to their stories. And sometimes they're characters that, that kind of either really put those views out or challenge them head on and say, hey, you know, this isn't right. Or, you know, and you sort of see that with Eleanor. Uh, she is a financier, so they're business partners, but she is often mistaken for a fiancé. Uh, like, of course, she's going to marry him. You can't possibly be an equal business partner. But, but in fact, if there's no romance there. They're business partners. And uh, so she is bankrolling uh, Stephen Jones's uh, attractions. So there's that. There's uh, And she kind of grounds to gives. Uh, the story a bit more grounding and a, and a bit richer feel for her presence there. Mm. Now, how was the acting overall with all of it? It was really well done. Uh, Amir Abdullah, uh, we've heard him in bit roles uh, often in, in previous productions that these people have done, but this time he really gets an extensive role as Orobono, the uh, mysterious assistant of the artist, George Rogers, and uh, so we really get to see him stretch his wings in this. And I think he did brilliantly. Uh, very enjoyable. Sean Branny is a, a popular, he's always in these things and often gets uh, lead roles here. 
And he played uh, Mr. Rogers, George Rogers, the artist, and he did that very, very well. You know, gave him a lot of vigor and verve and, you know, you could, and, and eccentricity. You could just feel that. Uh, McCarran Kelly uh, uh, played Eleanor Patterson, you know, this, this steel-nerved business lady traveling uh, and getting into this, this strange uh, situation. And uh, again, really, really well done. Those three really steal the show, but the rest of the cast is brilliant too. They they always have seemingly a really good time doing it, and uh, wouldn't mind hearing some interviews from these folks. Uh, we don't get too much of that from no. uh, hmm. you know, from this. We don't see the extras and the making ofs. That they, there's some of that on the website, but they they don't uh, tack it onto as many of their productions as I think they they probably ought to. Do you think that's kind of phasing out for some people? You know, like, I don't understand, you know, when you think about yeah. how come that's not happening, Michael, like it used to. And it's not, even at big uh, places like Big Finish, it's not a given. Uh, that, that usually you get something, but it, it's right. not as extensive as it might have once been. So, yeah, I, I hope they don't drop that because I really, I've always enjoyed that. It's It's always neat to go behind the scenes with this stuff. So how was the sound and music for you guys? Sound and music were pretty much up to their levels in, in pretty much every way. This this uh, production announces that these people are back in full swing. You know, the sound was, was they kind of do a, a good job, but it's not quite as enveloping as something like graphic audio or big finish, but it's it's really, it's a cut above, you know, the basic. Like, they give you that environment, they give you the stereo situation, you can hear characters moving around and things. Uh, they get that old-time radio feel, which I think is what they're going for. They're going for, yes. let's modernize it, but keep that old-time sort of slightly distanced kind of perspective on the story that you're being told. And the so, music, of course, is great. It all yeah. It's all through. It sets the mood, does its job well, uh, never kind of overbears on anything, uh, but it, it's there like it is in a good movie. Are they known for utilizing a lot of music in production? Well, it depends. Some of it, it varies with what they're doing. Sometimes it's more sparse than others, but in this one, it's pretty much solidly, you know, an element in in a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's mostly like bridges between scenes, things like that, sort of setting the mood or when, you know, some excitement happens, kind of. Right. So was it worth the price for you and Sarah to check it out? I'd say yes. You know, it's they're shorter productions. This one's about 75 minutes. Uh, and uh, so you're getting a basically a little shorter than than a feature length movie, but it's uh, it's well done and and for for what they have available, like these people aren't big wig like they don't have the resources that the larger mm-hmm. houses have. They're they're a bunch of of just people who really care about the work, love H.P. Lovecraft and his work, and want to want to promote that. And uh, you know, I think as as a, a group of of you know actors, they are in other things. Uh, as well, and they, they make time for these things, and I think they, you can you can sort of feel the love in that, the the, the joy they have in, in in doing these productions. So I think in, for that those reasons, it's, it's absolutely worth collecting these. Do you uh, go out and check out what others have said about it? You know, reviews or if it's getting a lot of traction, regardless. Yeah, I will. I will look at the reviews if I can. On and sometimes I, you know, I find it out so early that there is not much there. But you know, over time, I'll check back and see what people are thinking. And and it, this so far, the reviews are all pretty good for this one. It's it's pretty much uh, you know they the they've kept pretty faithful. They've improved on the original story where they've changed, which is always a good thing to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people generally 
are are pretty much liking what they do. So uh, yeah, it's it's uh, you know I I think they're really back and, and to see the cast uh, and everything the numbers of the, in that cast they were you know for a lot of bit parts yeah so that's uh, it's good to see that that effort that there was people involved so uh, yeah so I think a lot of bit parts when you get them and especially when you look back at something with a feel of old time radio you would get other people other cast members maybe doing those voices yeah and and, and this time there are there are more there are more original like different people, like not do, people doing like three or four different roles. You do get some of that, uh, but usually it's only a couple of different. And then you have like just original people doing a couple of the cast bits. Yeah, yeah. So and, and again, it's, it's, a, it's a different world the way we do stuff now. And it's a lot harder now to pass off, you know, Mike Fair changing his voice. Hey, how are you? You know, as the guy yes. passing on the street. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and so there's a bit more scope, a bit more room for that. If you get actors who can really change their voices significantly, uh, I've heard Dave Warner, for example, uh, for, from what I hear, you know, they hire him for his voice because he doesn't really change it all that much, according to one of the things in uh, in the the uh, Morlington uh, Crescent uh, series. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember the original name, and it, oh, uh, uh, Sixpence and Chilling Investigates. They had a good interview uh, in making of in that. And that was one of the things we learned about him, a very famous actor who uh, Doctor Who fans will be very familiar with. And, uh, yeah, so things like that are kind of neat. Like they, Some people can't change the voices quite as much, and you'd notice if they did more than one thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Michael, I'm sure this is a great one for people to check out, so thanks for the details, and we'll chat with you next week. Absolutely. Well, interesting stuff for you then. Yes, I count on it. You can find The Horror in the Museum and other Dark Adventure radio theater titles at hplhs.org. So check it out. And we also have that site directly on our blog, ami.ca slash kellyco. And Mike's back next Thursday. In a couple of minutes, we're going to do a little bit of celebrating, as a matter of fact. The Royal Winter Fair turned 100 years old this year. And off to visit and check out the place, gardener Susan Kearney tells us about uh, her recent visit to this indoor agricultural event. And we know it in the Toronto area. She'll share with you wherever you are listening in in two minutes. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.